0: Welcome, Budding people, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host, Ken Seymour. Today we have an exciting interview for you. We have Miss Liliana Tandon. Did I pronounce that with uh, sufficient flair? Yes.
1: yes. <laughs>
0: Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I wish I could be in a studio with you, but this is this works too.
0: Yeah, the the studio, the, the days of the studio will come back, I'm sure. It's just a, a matter of time and uh, sufficient patience and uh, medication, I think, is the, the third thing that we're all waiting for. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's start at the beginning. I always love to start at the beginning because mainly that's the easiest thing to do. Um, how did you get your start in acting? What's the thing that that got the acting bug to just take hold for you?
1: Yeah, um, I always loved movies and watching movies, um, but kind of what gave me my start was when I was 10 or 11 years old, I spent my first summer at a wonderful camp called Brown Ledge. It's in Colchester, Vermont, right on Lake Champlain. It's beautiful, Um, and it's not... A theater camp it's not no it's, it's it is known though to have a very amazing theater department so i went there with the uh with the my sights set on horseback riding that was when i was 10 and 11 that was kind of like i want to be around the horses that sounds great but my sister my older sister zandra she auditioned for a play and she loved it and started being in the plays. And I said, hey, I want to I copy her. I want to be in the plays. So I started auditioning for the plays as well. And that's kind of how I got my start. Um, yeah, Brownledge was incredible. We did three one-act plays every single week. It was eight weeks long. Three one-act plays every week and then a full-length play in two weeks, and a full-length musical in two weeks. So it was a really amazing way to to train and learn how to learn lines really quickly and develop character really quickly. So it was really fun.
0: Those summer activities, uh, for those that are able to engage, are some of the some of the most memory-forming, some of the most um, emotional context forming things for like is I know I had I, I went to uh you know summer camps too I, I don't think I had anything quite as magical as uh performing <laughs> plays most of mine were hey we're the police and uh <laughs> we're going to have a camp <laughs> for a week do you want to be a police officer no I don't know why I'm here but uh so so I think I think you got the uh the good side of that now you proceeded you you studied in New York um mm-hmm. and you also were at the um uh, Stella Adler studio, right? Yes. What was it like to be able to be part of um, a very specific and targeted regimented training like you would get at, the, at that studio?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, yes, I came to New York City to go to NYU Tisch. And if people don't know how tisch works kind of you get into tisch which is the the art school at NYU but then if you are an actor there are multiple different studios within tisch that you can be placed in as an actor so i was placed as a freshman in the stella adler studio of acting and that was a conservatory training and what i what i did love though about NYU was that they had within their conservatory training you had 3 days of conservatory you know uh nine to six you're in conservatory you're doing acting training and often with um, performances or rehearsals in the evening as well but then two days a week you were at nyu doing general education courses and that is something that i really drew me to nyu i think um having general ed as well as conservatory training was very important to me i think being well-rounded and making sure you are learning about all kinds of things as opposed to just acting um, is is very important. So that's why I really liked it. It was it was very intense. It was very fun. Um, But I learned. Yeah, it was just it was it's interesting to reflect back on honestly, you know, being in a conservatory training. And I think Some of it's been really valuable and some of it I've had to say, okay, as I've gotten out into the real world and learning how this industry works, you kind of have to take, as with anything, you kind of have to take what works for you and leave what doesn't work for you. And I think it's really easy with something like a conservatory training to say, okay, this is the gospel. I must do this the entire, you know, this is how I will be successful as an actor. I must follow these specific steps. But as I've gotten older, I've realized, okay, no, acting, you know, not every person is the same. Not every training, every specific piece of every training will work for everybody. So you have to realize that you might have to develop your own and figure out what works for you and how how you feel most powerful within the characters you're trying to play or within the acting moment you are having at that time.
0: One of the neat things, at least I feel, I, I love I love looking at the the various Uh, organizations that help to prepare and train people for this this specific set of skills that's that's not um, not always intuitive and just seeing the number of people that I have loved uh, performing come through there now one of the interesting things that I noticed is one of the names that also went through that Stella Adler studio was Lorraine Bracco
1: did she really? How did I not know this? <laughs> uh, How did I not know this? <laughs>
0: yeah, i i I did some did some digging, a little 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 poking here and there, uh, after uh, after I had some time. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, really interesting. I mean, there were, there are some there are some really awesome actors that have and actresses that have come through that particular studio.
1: Yeah, it's very. They're known for being. They're very classical training. So it is very much like if you are a theater actor and want a very traditional uh, theatrical training, that is obviously a, it's a great place to go. Now great I'm, place to learn.
0: You've done both, obviously, both theater and um, movies, television, and it, and they're they're similar animals, but uh, different in the way that they they are put together somewhat, and different in the way that they reward you. Do you have a preference between the two?
1: As of, it's funny, growing, you know, growing up and especially at the beginning of college, I was very much like theater, 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 that's all I want to do. Um, but as I, after I got out of school and kind of towards the end of my senior year and then once I got out, I really realized, well, I've always been passionate about film and television. I always knew that I wanted to be in movies. That was definitely, you know, something I, I wanted to accomplish. But because I was within this very intensive theatrical training, I was very focused on you know, once I graduate, I will be working in theater. But after I graduated, I did realize that if you have no money and no, you know, if you just kind of are trying to get yourself seen, trying to put yourself out there, acting is an extremely difficult business. And how do you get noticed? How do you get seen? There's so many people just even within New York, let alone the rest of the country trying to be an actor, trying to be actors. So. I quickly realized that film and TV is an easier easier way to make something yourself with no money and, and make it look really good. I think it's harder for um, super, super low budget theater to look as good as you can make super, super low budget film look because there are tricks you can play with film. Um, you know, if you, I mean, iPhones now, this iPhone I'm recording on right now, they have amazing cameras on them now. You don't even need to buy fancy equipment at this point to make a film or to make a web series. Um, so that was kind of what really pulled me into it. And now I'm really focused on that, but I do, I do hope one day to get back to, get back to theater.
0: There is, there is something about getting that immediate reaction from the crowd, uh, I was lucky yes. enough to do some theater in college, and that was my favorite part—being able to see people's reaction, and then, of course, trying to not forget where I was. <laughs> <after> I <laughs> yes, there—it's
1: true. There really is nothing like live theater and being in a play. And I mean, I learned—I uh, had never been the lead in a feature film before. Before um, *Ring for Christmas* but I had been leads in plays and it's so wonderful to be able to go chronologically and you get to build this character and it's different every night and you've got to experience this, this thing with the audience. Whereas film, it's like, okay, first day, you just met Michael Gross, but you're gonna do a super dramatic, intense, intimate scene with him. <laughs> you know, like you don't get to build any sort of, or it's like, oh, this is the end of the movie and we're filming it first because of the location we're in. So it definitely is a completely different animal. I think um, it's rewarding, obviously, in its own ways, but you are so right that just there's nothing like being in a theater, being with the audience. That experience of of going through something together is, is yeah. really special.
0: And plus it has the kind of the olfactory sense. Uh, just everything is kind of in. I mean, when you have a movie, the ultimate result, unless you're, in a movie theater, which will hopefully happen again.
1: Oh gosh, no, uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm,
0: I've got my fingers crossed. I'm going through withdrawal. It's been, it's been a very long time, and I'm, I have uh, the constant sad face. People keep, people keep asking. It's like, why are you, why are you upset? It's like I can't go to the movie theater. Yeah. Um, but it, it doesn't have that. It's sometimes a little more difficult to create that emotional connection uh, when you see the product. But that kind of leads me to a question that I've asked a, a couple of other actors um, and actresses. When you are putting together these productions out of order, how do you personally get to a place where you can feel like you are within the character and within the moment when you're taking it in that kind of weird uh, direction?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, and I'm sure it varies for every actor. And it was difficult for me on this film at times because, as you know, I was the writer of A Ring for Christmas as well as an act, the lead actress. So it was difficult because most of the time when you're on a set and you're an actor, you can leave from your scenes for the day and go home and be in the character and think about your scenes for the next day and do what you need to do to get to where you need to go. But kind of for me, it was like all right, do we have the pages for tomorrow? Do we do we need changes to be made? Do we need to like, you know, do we need to switch around the order we're filming scenes and t- trying to work with the production on making the actual production run, as opposed to just, okay, now I'm done, I'm gonna leave and and go be an actor. So it definitely was a, a difficult process on this one. Um, but I think one thing that really helps that I was extremely lucky with on this production is having great generous other actors that you're working with i think having people who are who show up to set really ready to work and who are really generous with with their acting um like lorraine and like michael gross if you ha- and dean guyer as well and charles hittinger who also are, are are amazing cast members of bring for christmas if you have people who are there in the scene with you it's a lot easier to get there so i think if you also i'd say at a basic level, you have to know the script. Hmm. If you know the script backwards and forwards, you know where you need to be in certain scenes. You know what the story is of the scene. You know what point of the movie this needs to take place, where your character needs to be. It's a lot easier, but you have to know the script front and back. That's that's a given.
0: Now, I don't know if you are in a position like i would have been I, I i always like to think that if i were in your position or in in other individuals positions where they're working with some fairly legendary individuals <laughs> that i would be professional and that i would not become that kind of star-struck uh individual that i say you remember that one time in that one show um so Michael Gross is kind of one of those people for me because I mean I grew up he was on TV every week. He was he was dad. I mean yep. was He's he kind of like that for <laughs> you?
1: Oh um, yeah, I mean he but he I will tell you you would have been so pleasantly surprised being on a set with him. He is the kindest most generous wonderful person i could have ever imagined i mean he's better than you what what you can picture you know he's like we had to do these scenes together so he plays my father um and this isn't a spoiler because you learn right in the first five minutes of the movie but he has uh his character has passed away three years prior to the beginning of the movie so the character is dealing with you know how she feels about her father um having passed away and so we had some pretty intense scenes together you know like this character dealing with that um, in her life. And he was just there. He was in the scene. It was, he was so beautiful to work with, even to the point where it was an emotional scene. But I got to the point where I was like, I shouldn't be crying this whole scene. But looking in his eyes, I just was like, I can't help my, he's just so wonderful and he's making me feel all these feelings. And um, I think what what you'll appreciate too um, to go along with what you said about being starstruck is you know if you're the me on the set you're the one who's going to ask for the pictures with the Michaels and with the Lorraines. We finished our last scene together, and he immediately said, "Hey, could we get a picture together?" And it made me feel so wonderful. The fact that he, first of all, maybe he like he wanted a picture with me, which was so nice, and that he knew to offer it first, you know, like. She she might want one with me, and I'll offer to take the picture with her first. And it was just such a wonderful feeling to to, to feel like oh he's part of the team. You know, yes he's Michael Gross, but he's also Michael, and he's part of the cast. And he's part of the team, and he knows that he had. You know, I do think he and Lorraine were great about. They understood that they had to be the ones, you know, creating that feeling because they're the they're the big people on the side. Yeah. So I did really appreciate that both of them kind of understood that it was their job to kind of make <laughs> us feel, feel okay around them and like make sure we could do the scenes. Um, but yeah, they were both, Michael and Lorraine were both wonderful to work with.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds like just kind of a, a fantastic uh, environment to be in too. Yeah. What maybe? Okay, so now I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna backtrack because we kind of move forward to, to that movie I hadn't mentally gotten to that point. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's okay because this is meant to be fluid, and e- even if I can't keep up, we're gonna go wherever we go. Perfect. But um, so now the first movie that you were listed in IMDb as like an extra um, was Kill the Irishman. So I, I'm looking at that just a little bit. I mean, when you, whether you're a prominent or whether you're in the background, being able to be on set with, again, just such a ridiculous <laughs> cast of individuals made me uh, come up to the same question I tend to ask people. A lot of times, kind of as you were speaking to before, these, these people that have been in the industry for a long time, they've got experience, they've got wisdom, what is something that maybe either from that or maybe from Indiscretion, something that you were able to learn, to glean that, that from those experiences that you might not have expected other people to know?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the funny story from Kill the Irishman that will help anyone who wants to be an extra in a movie, it was very fun. I got to be an extra in a restaurant scene. And Christopher Walken's character, like, walks right behind me. You know, it was very fun being on set with all those people. Um, But during, you know, for people who don't know this, um, extras and background have to be silent because they want the sound to be the voices of the actors. And then they just add stock footage of restaurants and people eating and stuff. So you have to be going, you know, that kind of thing. I hit my knife onto my plate at one point during the shooting. And I was like, I am just an extra on this scene and I ruined a take by banging my knife on the thing. So that is, if you want to be an extra in a movie,
0: make sure you don't
1: (laughs) make any noise because that's the big one. And then, uh, yeah, I have a fun connection too because Paul Sorvino was in Kill the Irishman. And then I got to work with his daughter, Mira Sorvino in, uh, in Indiscretion which premiered on lifetime a couple of years ago. And that was really, that was really fun to work on work with Mira. I mean, I've gotten to do some scenes with some pretty, some pretty amazing right. people. I think, as you said, be professional. I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, when you're working with these people, their work, you have to remember they're working and they do understand. I think most of the people I've worked with have been so gracious about you know, making the chit-chat. But I think the biggest thing is finding those moments and making sure you're not bothering someone. Because I know as an actor, if I'm standing there and doing a scene and I'm thinking about my character, I might look like I'm not doing anything, but someone might come over to me and start talking and you don't really know. So I like to establish on set sometimes, like what kind of actor are you? In between takes do you like to talk? Do you like to be, you know, removed? so that you kind of are respectful of, no matter who they are, whether they're Mira Servino or, or anybody, um, you just be respectful of, of everyone's individual process, I think is is important.
0: That's when you just hire that, uh, hire the assistant and they're, they're watching you the entire time and anybody starts to approach, if they <laughs> just kind of bomb, it's like, oh, it's wonderful to see you. And then just all of a sudden you're gone. Uh, <laughs> they have no idea what's happening. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so I had to get to this before again before we get chronologically to a ring for Christmas. Um, I have to admit, I have not seen this, but now that I've read into what it is and and what it's about, I'm I'm extremely curious. Um, <laughs> but the 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 period piece uh, that that you've done a couple of seasons of that uh, web series, correct? Yes. It seems like it's. Great, uh, a great source for comedy. I mean, just a, a subject that's already mildly uncomfortable for some individuals to think about, but adding a historical context, that that could be a, a lot of potential there. What what kind of got you to do that project?
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, Period piece is a comedic short form <laughs> web series that explores women in different periods of history having their periods. And each episode is an individual time period. And I did research on those time periods and um, learned either historical fact or historical myth about how people viewed menstruation during that time and then built comedic episode around it the episodes are not historically accurate so don't watch them for any sort of (laughs) historical accuracy um they they definitely exaggerate the things that I that I learned about that time period but it's funny I had never been someone who said I'm going to graduate and I'm going to create my own work that was kind of never to be honest I feel like I kind of actually didn't want to do it like I was like I want to be an actor who's who's an actor and I don't want to it was kind of right at the beginning of the whole craze of like you know creators creating and it was becoming really popular and really i mean it was already happening when i made period piece but um it was definitely trendy you know to be a create a create a web series and i never wanted to do that now i could not advocate more strong more (laughs) strongly for actors creating their own work especially something like a web series but um i came to that idea my friend rachel kent and i who's actually in a ring for christmas um, she as well, she and I were just sitting on our couch drinking some wine and started laughing about period piece. Just the phrase period piece we were like, that's a funny pun. Like what if it were a period piece about periods? And we thought it was very funny and we kind of joked about making a show about it but and uh, but it seemed kind of like, oh well, we're just goofing around. but I woke up the next morning and I said, you know what I think I think there's actually something here. I think this is actually, a kernel of a very, very funny, very good idea. So I just started researching and started writing it. And again, I was not a writer. I never considered myself a writer. But my advice to any actor who's like, I want to create something, but I'm not a writer, it, just do it. You know, you'll figure it out as you go along. <laughs> just try it. Uh, there's no harm in trying. Um, and it could, it could pay off. It could be something you learn that you really love, which is what happened with me. So. Uh, it actually, it was very successful. I think we, I made it really right at the right time. That was right before the Me Too movement. People were really, this was a hot topic, mm-hmm. you know, like menstrual rights. That was like a really big topic when this, when this was coming out. So it was definitely the right time. Um, and it was really fun. I mean, I, I made two seasons, mostly, you know, I made it with my friends, you know, we were kind of just for the first season, especially kind of scrapping things together, filmed a lot in my apartment, you know, kind of gorilla filming around. Um, but it was so much fun. And my friend Amanda Robert, who's so talented, she did all the costumes for it, all of the historical costumes. So and it was it was so fun. Like we have big bustles in a Victorian episode. They were just pillows tied together. You know, you make <laughs> things happen. They look like real bustles, but they were just pillows. Um, so, and yeah, so now it has over 1.6 million views on YouTube and we got written about in 17 and Cosmopolitan and even India today and Marie Claire France, we kind of went international a little bit. As I said, it was, it was a very um, a hot topic at that time. So it was definitely the right time. People were very interested. And as to your point, I think what helped it be successful was, it was, it was approachable because it was funny and it wasn't real you know like there, it was it was exaggerated it was humor and so it made even you know guys who were like ooh, menstruation <gasps> it made them like oh this is really funny like this <laughs> is great now i'm kind of like oh i can this is something normal and that was a goal of mine going into it was that yes it's a comedy series but we, i really wanted it to to show people like this is not a big deal. This is something when most, most uh, women have to go through once a month and it's not—it's normal, it's yeah. fine. You know, like it's, it's something you can laugh at but also something you can talk about. And you know, you shouldn't have to hide a tampon up your sleeve if you need to go to the bathroom, you know, not that you have to wave it around, but um, you know, it just, I think it, it was successful in that way of, as well of, of helping people feel a little more comfortable, which yeah. is definitely what I wanted.
0: Well, it definitely is a, is a good thing. Being able to create something that can start conversations from a a, a point of empathy. And uh, yes. that's that's kind of a rare thing. And I, I think that may be why it's, uh, it's so popular. Maybe that, and maybe also, you actually brought up uh, the thing that I was going to mention, having Rachel Kent in that, and also seeing her in a ring for Christmas. Having that kind of core group of people you start developing these relationships with, Uh, and and you already know what they're what they're able to do and what you can get out of them for a given project
1: yeah absolutely there are a couple people yeah Kate McGarigal as well as also a period piece as well as she plays Paulette uh, in A Ring for Christmas and uh, my other friend Maddie Sykes is also in both and then a friend who I made later John Noble Barrick is also in A Ring for Christmas but he wasn't in the period piece stage (laughs)
0: that's that's kind of awesome well before we move on to a ring for christmas specifically uh, what is in your research maybe the strangest thing you learned when researching for period peace
1: oh my god i have to go back and look i think um what are some well i did base one of the episodes on um there's a book called the red tent that explores, it was a very popular book. It it, it was a very successful book. And um, it was talking about women in biblical times who would go and lay in tents when they all were menstruating. And then the older women would pass down stories from the older generation. And so I took that and I ran with it. I made it in that that actually the women would go in there and it would turn into a big party, you know, and they would just hang out and they'd be like, great, we don't have to cook for our husbands this week. And that's kind of what it became. And it was it, what was very funny about saying that they were historical period pieces, because as I said, yes, I based them off of something I had found in research, but often they were myths or they weren't real or or I would exaggerate as i said so like with this biblical time like it was clearly but people would comment on the youtube videos and say like this would never happen this is not how it would go down and i was like
0: obviously this
1: isn't what would happen so i think for some people the humor was was a little bit over their heads (laughs) but um but yeah i appreciated the people who did understand that it was definitely exaggerated
0: Yeah, that I, I'm I'm definitely gonna have to give that a look because uh, that's uh, any little bit of comedy right now is uh, is a fantastic.
1: Agreed, thing. definitely agreed. <laughs> now,
0: now speaking of things that make you better or, or make you feel better, um, the just looking at the synopsis of uh, uh, Ring for Christmas, it seems like um, kind of like the a comfort food style mm-hmm. of. Of a movie, tell me a little bit about what what this is about and and what you're trying to to get at with the film.
1: Yeah, so um, so a ring for Christmas follows my character Angie Moore, who is a spoiled single girl living in New York City, living off her family money, but she gets cut off twenty five days before Christmas. And but when she discovers the existence of a very sizable trust fund set up for her that she will inherit when she gets married. She decides to find a man to marry by Christmas. So that's kind of the, the basic synopsis of the movie. And it's funny because you're so right. It's it's definitely, you know, one of those Christmas movies. You know, it's, it's the movies you think of that are, you know, the TV Christmas movies that are, you know, very easily watchable, very fun, very festive. Um, and so I think it's uh, it's a good time, as you said, as much cheer as we can get these days, uh, the better, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But w- what I was trying to get out of it, and this kind of relates to the work I've made in the past, is I definitely felt that I still wanted to create a woman and create a character that was complicated and and had you know, real things going on and real problems that she needed to address within herself and real growth that needed to happen. So I th- you see a major transformation from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. And that doesn't just have to do with finding a man, hmm. which I think is, is something that makes this movie a little different is, yes, it's very festive. It's very fun. It's what you expect from any of these um, TV Christmas movies. But it does have a hint of of empowerment and a hint of, okay, this woman is is getting what she wants on all aspects of her life. You know, she's not just feeling like she has to sacrifice this aspect in order to to get this aspect. Or because she's sacrificing this, she doesn't have this. Because I think that's, you know, it's nice to send the message that, you know, you don't need to be sacrificing and you don't need, you can... You can have it all, I guess, is the is the corny phrase that goes right.
0: with that. But we need to see that once in a while. But that leads to actually something that is often a, a bone I have to pick with a lot of a lot of movies. And I wonder how you approach this particular conundrum. You talk about uh, your your main character being able to um, develop over the course of the film. One of the things that I see happen a lot you have extraordinarily limited time in a standard movie an hour to 2 hours and you have multiple characters and you have history and a, a variety of different things to juggle how do you how do you approach being able to put that growth in such a way so that it doesn't feel rushed by the end of the film
1: yeah that's a good question i mean the kind of the simple answer and the kind of very basic answer is that you have to really understand film structure and if you read books like save the cat which is kind of the go-to bible on screenwriting you will see that if you follow a very distinct set of like this happens now and this character development happens now and this character development happens now then you will hopefully if your writing is good but you follow the structure will create a character arc that is satisfying to your audience. And I think it's funny because when I first started writing this movie, this was my first feature that I had written. And I, as I said, I didn't go to school for screenwriting. And I had this idea in my head, like, I want to break all the screenwriting rules. I want to do what I want to do with this movie. And so I wrote a draft and um, Laura Borsma, who is the producer behind Grand Falloon that produced A Ring for Christmas, she's become, she was also the producer on Indiscretion and she's become, she's been a real mentor of mine and she's kind of always at the other end of the phone when I need advice or help. So I sent her the script and she called me and she was like, you know, this is great what you want to do and I see what you're trying to do, but I think you should First, make sure you understand how the film needs to work, and then you can break all the rules. So she was definitely brought me down to earth a little bit on that. And it's so true. If you, if you're, there are reasons why films are satisfying and why other films aren't satisfying, and it's because they don't follow this kind of a structure. Um, but I think, you know, from a creative standpoint, um, I do think there is something to be, to be said about creating strong characters as well. And making sure you establish really strongly who your character is at the beginning and make sure your audience likes them. I think that was something I really struggled against because women and likability in film, I hate kind of the whole thing that women have to be likable in films, but there is is a certain genre that that works for and Christmas movies aren't really one of them. You have to make sure your characters are likable and people want to watch them and people want to see them grow because if they don't like them at the beginning they won't want to they won't care and they won't want to see them grow so they have to they have to care mm-hmm. about the about the character and then yeah just making sure the relationships are really strong i think something i really enjoy is dialogue as well just writing really strong dialogue and making sure you accomplish what you need in the scene but you're also having fun and creating scenes that people really want to watch is um, helpful in terms of making people want to watch and continuing to stay with the character
0: getting good at that standard two shot (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) now now that actually kind of is is something that that i think is is it's something that a lot of people may not really think about too terribly much in in films talking about that likability you almost have to have Mm -hmm. it from from the beginning again because of the time frame i mean i think of other things you watch uh, breaking bad there's not a single likable character in that show to start but it changes over time. You just don't have that same kind of of, um, resource on on your average movie, right?
1: I think it also, um, something that kind of helped bring my ego way down was that, uh, not that I had a huge ego, but it crushed what I did have, um, was being told, you can make your characters unlikable when you're somebody. (laughs) (laughs) People will watch Jennifer Aniston be unlikable. People will watch Steve Carell be unlikable. People will watch the Viola Davis be unlikable. They will watch actors who they're like, oh, but it's Viola Davis. Oh, but it's Jennifer Aniston. They will watch those movies. If you're a nobody, why will they care? So you need to make sure you draw them in with a character that makes them want to watch. And that was (laughs) instantly what I was told. Like when you have a big career that people will say oh but i'm just gonna watch this movie because it's jennifer aniston then you can do whatever you want
0: (laughs) yeah that's unfortunately some great advice
1: (laughs) yes it was definitely a little bit crushing i am still i am still trying to push that a little bit though i do think um this character angie in a ring for christmas i think she is different than a lot of characters you will see especially in these Christmas movies um normally it's kind of like I love them I love them so I'm not saying any sort of like hate on that kind of movie but it is usually something like she oh the worst thing about her she works too hard Mm. and so she doesn't have a husband you know that's kind of the that's why she can't date because she works too hard and it's like okay but working too hard isn't actually a big internal problem that you need yeah. to fix about yourself. So I do think something, if people are looking for something, they want a fun festive Christmas movie, but they want something a little different. I think this is a good movie for them because I felt really strongly that she should be someone who has somewhere to grow. She she has some things that like, you're going to watch and be like, really, you know, oh, you, you're you're going to say that or you're going to, you know, you're going to act that way. And then it's more fun, I think, when you get to see her when you get to go on her journey and see her change
0: put in a nugget or two of clearly relatable trauma and i'm sure that (laughs) that gets us to where we need to be
1: (laughs) i definitely think she's very relatable i do i definitely do
0: so okay so all right before i go too far i I just had to say you're talking about the producer that's something maybe the listeners maybe don't get so much I, i i talk about movies and and tv all the time and when you talk to most people they talk about the actors they will sometimes talk about the directors you know i, I will watch a scorsese film no matter what uh, sure sure know, whatever but the producer is often not in that conversation but for me it seems like that's that's the third piece if you don't have all three of those working right then all the rest of it just kind of falls apart has that been something that you've kind of seen so far in the industry?
1: yeah, I mean, I definitely think working on a film in this capacity as a writer, and so I kind of had my toe in producing a tiny bit because I was the writer and I was the star on it as well. Right. So I was kind of involved in all of that. and I definitely do think that building the right team is is of it's the most important thing, you know, like starting with a good team. Donnie was so wonderful. Donny Fauntleroy, who's our director, was wonderful to work with. Um, I think, and Laura, obviously, and then we had the guys at StoryWorks who produced Ring for Christmas, Michael, Jeffrey, and Alex. I I think um, it was fun being able to cast, you know, some of my friends as well. They were generous enough to let me cast some people that I wanted to cast. Um, But I think that is really important for anyone out there who wants to make their own work. Find a team that you just work well together, you want to go to work having fun, you know. You want it to be fun. You want it to feel great. You want to be proud of what you're what you're putting forward. And I do think a producer is definitely a huge part of that. I mean, they're the one making the show run. So finding a good producer is definitely very important. Um, but even if the producer is great, if they hate the director, it's not. It's going to be. It's going to be chaos. So I think you need to, if you're starting out, you know, with small sets, small budgets make sure the team is 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 really meshing and really working well together
0: what would pardon me I thought I got rid of all of that a moment ago (laughs) Um, what was in producing this film maybe your something that surprised you something that was a, a fun experience that you didn't think that was going to be there or maybe something in the production process that you weren't quite expecting that you'd have to deal with but was rewarding in some way is there something that you were surprised by
1: i mean i've already talked about this but it was surprising that we got lorraine and we got michael i mean feeling like oh my god when i whenever i was having kind of a down day and i would call my fiance john he'd say, just remember that an Academy Award nominee read your script and wanted to be a part of your movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thank you for saying that. I always forget that, you know, like sh- people are here, they wanna work on the project, you know, they-, they wanna be here. So I think that was, I think something that's really difficult, especially for women in this industry is to be able to pat yourself on the back and, and be proud of your accomplishments. And so I think that that was something I had to learn and it was surprising to feel it finally of like, oh, I'm allowed to sit here and be proud. And and I don't have to be self-deprecating and I don't have to say, oh, but this could have been better, or this could have been better. You can say, I'm so proud. Like I made a movie and you know, right. people wanted to be in it, and I wrote a film and it got made. And it's it's something definitely that that people should should say to themselves more often. I definitely think that. Um, I don't know if that's really like a surprising experience per se,
0: but there's no wrong answers here. I (laughs) I just, it's, it's about getting perspective and, and, and where you're, where you're coming from. And that, but that brings up an excellent point. Um, I think yet there's two sides to it. What, what you mentioned for sure, you have to be able to, to see yourself uh, as having created something special but i think there's something that's somewhat missing maybe from the viewing audience and because they don't have that inside perspective we watch movies we like them we don't like them and if we don't like them well they're awful well no <laughs> they're just not to taste and even the movie that is the the biggest kind of um, confluence of awful things that happened and production messed up. It's still an amazing undertaking to even be able to put out this, this piece of art uh, that everybody gets to enjoy. And maybe if we just kind of understand that, we can relax enough to be able to maybe enjoy something we wouldn't normally be able to enjoy.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, you go to a museum, you don't love every single painting you look at, even if they're in a museum. So that means, you know, different people will like different things. I know Christmas movie, you know, this kind of Christmas movie is not for everybody, but um, that's why, like, maybe you could give it a chance if you hear that it has a little something different in it, you know, a little something that could make it, make it more your taste, yeah, you know. It
0: looks good to me, <laughs> I- I'll tell you that. Well, talking about Christmas movies, it's a little early... In, in a way for, um, for Christmas. Yeah. But I have to ask, what is your favorite Christmas movie, your go-to during the holidays?
1: Uh, um, so yeah, well to your point, it's funny. Normally I'm, I love Christmas. I'm such a Christmas person. Obviously I wrote a Christmas movie. You have to like Christmas if you write a Christmas movie. But um, I'm normally a strict like after Thanksgiving, kind of then I can start Christmas. This year with everything going on, I'm like, Need it now. Let's start now. I I don't care. Like Christmas, uh, the holiday, not even just Christmas, any holiday that, you know, the end of the year, New Year's, let's get a new year up in here. That would be great.
0: Um, <laughs> um,
1: but I'm sorry, I got a little off track. No, that's just
0: your Your favorite Christmas movie or, favorite or holiday movie?
1: movie. I started thinking about the end of the year and thinking about 2021 with stars in my eyes. <laughs> um, so I think it's uh, the movie I grew up watching every year that my family and I would watch was Miracle on 34th street. Um, So that was kind of definitely our go-to movie that we, up until a couple years ago, would watch every Christmas Eve. Um, And then, but now uh, one of our favorite movies also is the holiday, which is that Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, uh, Jude Law, Jack Black movie. It's very, again, romantic comedy, Christmas.
0: Surprisingly Um, good though.
1: Yeah, but I don't think it has very good reviews. So as mm-hmm. to your point like you know, different movie different people like different movies. I love that movie. I think it's so heart- heartwarming and wonderful, but it is a little, you know, it's a little different. It's more like a romantic comedy um around christmas time as opposed to like this is a christmas christmas movie
0: right right yeah you're you're not going to go straight to the uh claymation uh rudolph (laughs) the red-nosed reindeer no
1: i finally did see i hadn't even seen but my fiance showed me i hadn't even seen charlie brown christmas until a couple years ago i know I know, but now I love it. I mean, we have the DVD. I can see it over there. We have the DVD, as if we still watch DVDs that much. um. That is one of
0: two I watch (laughs) every year. I always have to see that one because we've all been the person that everything I touch just disintegrates. And then the people around you make things better. It's like, oh, that's that's what I need to see right now. (laughs) Yes, yes, that
1: does sound appropriate.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, now that we've gotten... We've we've gotten kind of up to current day. Let's think about the future. Ooh, mm. um, <laughs> hard hard right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, all right. Is there a play or a movie that currently exists in some format? And I'm mm. I'm not going to count uh, Julius Caesar because I know you've already done that.
1: <laughs> I ha- I did I did that play yes.
0: <laughs> but something that you would love to see done again either on stage or reproduced in film or television that would just make you squee and immediately go, I've got to be in that. I want to be in that.
1: Oh, that's a good question. There are so many. I would have loved to, this isn't really what your question was, but I've been watching a lot of classics lately. I would have loved to be in a movie with Audrey Hepburn. I would have just, oh my gosh, nice. she's just so wonderful. Yep. Um, uh, I'm kind of looking at my DVD. I am a huge Lord of the Rings nerd. Um, that's not gonna get made any time remade anytime soon, but mm-hmm. that would have been really cool to be in any sort of kind of thing where you're really having to imagine the world and these special effects would be really, really cool to be in. Um, yeah, I can I, I'll keep thinking of more, but I think those are kind of the ones I'm geeking out over right no. now I think some of these classics watching some of these classics like um as I said Audrey Hepburn or even Catherine you know Catherine Hepburn you know being it's not even a specific movie but just being able to have acted with any of those people would have been amazing. would have been so
0: great yeah yeah that, that's a, that's a good shot you know I'll go with that how about this? You're you have shown some geek cred with the, the Lord <laughs> of the Rings. How far does your geek cred go? Are you a comic not, book not person at all?
1: I'm not, unfortunately. I'm not really a comic book person. Though I yeah, I do it's funny, I I it's like I try to resist the geekdom and then it finds me. So I for so long refused to watch Game of Thrones. And now that I've seen Game of Thrones, I'm like, how could I have ever not seen Game of Thrones? Um, But I do like some of the new, the comic book movies. I wouldn't say I'm a comic book reader. I haven't really read, um, read many comic books. Though it is funny because one of my favorite books is The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Nice. And that's like all about comic books. So it is funny that I should be, I mean, do you have recommendations? Are there any I should oh, be reading if you're a comic book person?
0: There are a, a variety of, of comics, especially the key, if you're not kind of a uh, already immersed in that culture. There's, sure, an
1: intro level, intro level comics. Right.
0: <laughs> go for, first of all, go for graphic novels because they okay. get complete sets of the stories. But one of my favorite, if you like beautiful artwork and you like commentary uh, from, a slightly different perspective on what the industry has created and where it is. There is a beautiful piece called Kingdom Come, uh, Kingdom Come. done by uh, Alex Ross. Uh, it's and instead of the normal ink, it is all paint, and oh wow, it is gorgeous. Uh, the 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 whole thing is just fantastic, and the storyline is phenomenal, and it's it's just really well done. Um, if you want to kind of understand what's happening in the Marvel side of things, um, I would say go and read the graphic novel Avengers Disassembled. Um, you don't have to know a whole lot going into that, but it kind of okay. it gives you a little understanding of the Scarlet Witch character and what I think that they're going to be okay. doing with her coming up.
1: It is funny. I'm like, I I think maybe that is what intimidates me is that I'm like, okay, but if I haven't started at the beginning and watched these million other movies or read these million other books, then I won't understand what's going on if I watch the latest one. Um, So that is comforting. Yeah.
0: No. Well, one thing that you will notice if you ever do go into the comic book side of things, um, they try to address that. They want new readers and they know that new readers feel this way. Intimidated. Yeah. Right. And so they reset the universe every 10 years. (laughs) Oh, all right. for, for us long time readers it can sometimes be a little frustrating
1: <laughs> Yeah, that would be nice for me, but maybe not but
0: for you. It, it, it has its purpose. It, it's a good thing. Well, how about this if you had the chance From the comic characters that you know, what is the comic character that you would love to play in a film?
1: Mm. Those are good ones. I did love the X-Men movies So maybe someone within the X-Men universe. I don't know if there are any X-Men women who haven't been done before, but I guess... um,
0: There's several that haven't been done and several that haven't been done well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe... I mean, I feel like... I'm trying to remember. I haven't watched them in a while, but I feel like the Jean Grey character was very interesting. How she kind of had a very interesting uh, fluctuation of which side is she on. and Very interesting. Um, I'm also a big Brie Larson fan, so I think Captain Marvel would have been really fun. Really looks awesome to play.
0: Well, Captain Marvel is a lot of fun. I mean, that's a character that has quite a bit of history in, in the comics. Yeah. And uh, I, I saw a lot of people kind of bristle at the presentation of Captain Marvel in the films because it was significantly different than the comics uh, in in oh, several different ways, but I think a lot of them were necessary and good changes. I mean, mm-hmm. the the original Captain Marvel's outfit was, let us say, impractical. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> more Wonder Woman esque. Yes, that yes, it,
0: it, it. it's more of a swimsuit than anything else, and I can see wanting to change that because it doesn't really work in combat. Not, not, not just just doesn't give you that kind of feel. But a lot of it's kind of attitudinal, and they're trying. Uh, MCU, uh, the people behind it tried to very much push like, "Hey, this is a really interesting character, and we're going to present her in a powerful way." And I think awesome. uh, it was kind of a lot of the the old comic book guys like, "Well, you messed up all my other characters. Hey, why I don't want to watch this?" It's like, "No, nah, that's nah, just fine." <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sometimes you got to change things for the time, right? that's for
0: sure. It, it, yeah. it's, 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 it's still good. It's still good. So here, is, um, here, is, here would be my suggestion if you are kind of a fan of the X-Men. If you ever get a chance um, to, um, to play somebody uh, in kind of the X-Men universe. Jean Grey is a good one, but Kitty Pride just for yeah, combination of the looks that you have and, and, and sort of fitting the traditional characterization of, of what you see in the comics combined with the fact that they barely touched on her in, in the movies and she has some of the best story in the comic. Uh, mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to do that, she, I mean, she's, she goes from being kind of earthbound to being somebody that, explores the universe kind of a thing and it's 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 a lot of fun plus she turns oh, intangible awesome.
1: so, all right i'll just call marvel
0: right yeah like, say so, hey. hey me now you got to do the <laughs> x-men soon start working in advance <laughs> all right well let's go with nonsensical questions i always have a few of these these usually are handled by my co-host who is not here right now hmm. but he often will ask when you are writing something or creating your work um we talk to a lot of artists uh, a lot of writers um uh, they have music to inspire them do you have any specific music that inspires you in the creative process
1: oh you know not i do think music is extremely important in terms of while i'm writing no i'm not someone who can listen to music while i write or read i'm not i mean maybe classical but anything with lyrics, I just go to the, you know, I was never someone who could like talk in class, but also be listening to the teacher. Like that was never, I can't do both at once. Um, but I do think sound and music is extremely important and being able to, I have at one point when I'm reading, been like writing something said, Oh, I feel like this song would play well here. So then I play it and listen and kind of figure out if that would, if that would work, but specific, any specific, specific, probably not. Um, it depends on depends on what I'm writing and yeah. what I'm working on.
0: Nothing more with that. But
1: definitely not while I'm writing.
0: Quiet, <laughs> quiet while I'm writing. <laughs> you give your fiance that look. He walks in the room and you just like the I'm 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 writing look. It's like I'm leaving. Sorry. Uh, okay. Well, how about something a little more universal? You are are you currently on the West Coast?
1: No, I'm actually in New York City.
0: New York City. Okay, oh, so you're on the mm-hmm. on the East Coast. Okay. Are you a New York City? pizza person or a Chicago pizza person what what where do you come down on this subject
1: I am a pizza person in general (laughs) Um, my John and our two friends Maddie and Michael we are in what is called we call ourselves the pizza club and we go around to different famous well-known pizza places within New York City we have ventured out to Staten Island as well. Maybe New Jersey will be next um, and try. I'm definitely, it's funny. I love pizza. That is, I think, my favorite food. Um, so I don't know if I'm really um, picky. I mean, I think a good classic New York is always good.
0: Well, maybe um, the I better question to, is what is your favorite place to get a slice from right now?
1: Oh, uh, okay. Well, I wouldn't get a slice here. You get a whole pizza. But um, our our favorite place is Juliana's, which is if you have you heard of Grimaldi's? Yes. Okay, so Grimaldi's was started by Patsy Grimaldi and he made this pizza place. It was super famous and but he was getting older and he wanted to retire. And and he said, I'll sell it to whoever someone wanted to buy. He said, I'll sell it to you and you can keep the Grimaldi name, but only if you keep the, the recipe exactly my recipe. And I think he, the story is that he went back a couple years later, it wasn't quite, a, you know, mm. what it was. And so he came out of retirement and next door to Grimaldi's in Brooklyn, he opened Juliana's. I missed that. So if you've heard of Grimaldi's, you should actually go to Juliana's. That's apparently where the real Grimaldi's pizza is and it's mm. the best. It's the best
0: good good information because i get i get snippets i don't get out to the east coast very often and so i've, I've heard of certain places that i've got my on my list but i had not mm. realized that that had happened okay. what
1: what kind do you like
0: uh personally i am a deep dish pizza
1: so if you come to new york so i do love deep dish as well if you come to new york you should try emmett's that is amazing amazing mm. deep dish pizza they also do have thin crust if you want to try but we did kind of like a, when we went we did a very classic cheese red sauce deep, classic deep dish and then we did kind of one of their funky i think it had like jalapeno on it, it was very good but the deep dish the deep dish was was amazing
0: i appreciate it i appreciate the recommendations for sure Alright, so and you're on a podcast called Everybody Loves Pudding. So often we will have to ask at least one question about pudding. Are you a are you a pudding person? And if so, what kind? Oh, um,
1: I don't I, I feel like to answer this question, I don't know if they're gonna be actually puddings, but it's kind of what I would consider puddings. Close I guess. enough is good. Um, I do I am my grandma used to make tapioca. So I am a tapioca, I love I love that old school tapioca. I like rice pudding as well. Um, and something fun, I'm, I cook a lot of chickpeas mm. um, and you can make, this isn't pudding, it's mousse, but you can make chocolate mousse out of what's called aquafaba, which is the juice that chickpeas are in the chickpea cans.
0: Really,
1: It's crazy. <sighs> if it comes out, you like whip it up, it turns like egg whites, you whip it up, and you put chocolate in it and it's like chocolate mousse. That's so that's awesome. kind of been the. Like, that's not a pudding, but.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I'll count it. It's it. it uh, the judges will back me on this. That's, that's close. To me. Absolutely. <laughs> well, before we end our fantastic conversation, are there any shout outs that you would like to give?
1: Oh, well, I guess I should plug the movie. So uh, Ring for Christmas airs or aired uh, November 8th. Uh, at 7 p.m. Eastern time on UP TV. You can check it out. It actually, if that is too early for you to be celebrating Christmas, it will play throughout the season. You can go to UP TV's website and, um, and find out more viewing times there. Um, I'll say hi to John um, and uh, the Pizza Club. Hello, Donnie and all the guys at StoryWorks. Hello. Um, yeah, I'm uh And happy holidays, everybody. I guess that's it.
0: Hey, I love, I love it. I can't, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to uh, talk with us today. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. And I
1: did. This was great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I can't wait to have you back when your next big project comes out. And uh, I've
1: got a couple things in the works. Got a couple, a couple scripts that I'm working on now. So I'm excited. Yes, one I think will be up your alley. It is completely a different thing for me but I'm writing it with my fiance he's very into sci-fi he's not in the industry but he was like came up with this idea it is a thriller psychological thriller that takes place in space
0: mm, fun. so
1: completely different than than what I'm working on now or oh, uh, ring for Christmas I, I,
0: I like it well it can be comforting in a different way <laughs> 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 well, don't forget to, uh, to check us all out on social media obviously we, we all have our own tags we are of course at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter and at Putting Guys on Instagram and Facebook and of course the ever present Patreon where for just $1 a month you can support the Pudding Guys as we buy new equipment that maybe will not uh, fail on me the day of an interview uh, <laughs> not that that happened today what is your handle on twitter
1: oh my twitter yeah my my very active twitter (laughs) is is at liliana tandon and my instagram where i am more active is at l tandon t-a-n-d-o-n
0: fantastic thank you again and until next week we will see you putting people
1: thank you so much